throughout my life. The Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, you are also your father. I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried. Glad I was right. You're just a criminal murders people. Be careful how you speak to me, boy. We are your boys, the peace of done, okay, oh cool, at least you know I made it. The cheese, the food, the cheese, the hot, oh baby, listen. I thought I could change my name. Start a new life. But I could never escape his shadow. My son. Can't run from your past. Is this what you wanted? You got this. Thank you. Everybody, welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ. You'll notice that my bald and beautiful brother Steve has returned triumphantly to the Joygasm studio. And bracelets are the new rings. In episode 240 today, September 9th, 2021. We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is the Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings movie review. So there is no need to do any fast forwarding whatsoever, but we will have some little timestamps located in the detailed section down below. And before we get started, make sure you punch that subscribe button, maybe scissor kick that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode that drops every week, once a week. Steve... Yes, right. I suppose before we get started, it is important to flash up the spoiler alert <laughs> notification. <laughs> Having said that, um, I say we just you know kind of okay. kick it off. Let's kick it off in a, in a high level territory, and then we'll just go right into the the drill downs. That stay still. <laughs> 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 How did that hit? <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think of the film, Steve? Well, Russ, oh, what is it, Steve? You know, this is a little martial arts uh, flickety flick that Marvel hasn't had. At least they haven't showed us yet. Mm. Um, and I think it's a nice change. You know, uh, you know, we have all the the fighting that we've been seeing with uh, blasts of lightning here and there and throwing stuff and. You know, flying through the sky and breaking everything, and I this was uh, this was a different approach. It was um, it was Jackie Chan joining the Avengers, if you will. You know what I'm saying? So I uh, appreciated all the martial arts, uh, the um, 
looked like he was kind of dancing around of sorts, but, a, but but an artful dance, an artful punch you in the face, hurt you type of dance. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. I was a bit miffed with uh, Aquafina's character a little bit. We'll get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I think, Russ, mm-hmm. but um, beautiful movie. I thought, um, like, I just like the, the the different approach. You know, the phase four is giving us some some different stuff than we're used to, and I, I can appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, music was all right. Yeah, kind of a nice little score. Music. Yeah, it was really pretty. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do have some questions on the movie, Russ. I think we got to get spoilers uh, before I ask some of those. Ah, but I shall take these rings and throw them at you. What what did you think of the movie? I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Um, I really enjoyed a Asian dominated film Mm. in the Marvel family. I feel like that that was a a nice, fresh breath. You know, I'm Asian. Breath of fresh air. I will say, Russ, I'm Asian dominated every day. Oh. Oh my! <laughs> well, you know, since you put it that oh, way, I, uh, boy. I know what you're talking about. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Didn't mean to train wreck you there, Russ. Didn't mean to San Francisco bus you at all. But uh, you know, I had to. I had a thought, and it was eating its way out, and I had to say something. Uh, not a problem, Steve. Not a problem at all. Your marriage is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, as I was saying, I, I thought it was fun to see a, a movie that had a, a Asian-dominated cast. Yeah. Um, I also thought that it was really cool to see the family dynamics in this regard. Mm. And we'll get into that in, in, in a bit, but just going down kind of like some of my, my high-level thoughts about it. Um, I appreciated the fact that there were certain scenes that reinforced the notion that they have this, this Asian heritage. Oh, sure. But they are also American. Right. And so it was, it's, it's, I don't know. I thought that, that the way that type of subject, subject matter was handled was done. So in a way that was just, you know, I thought it was mature. It wasn't like a knock against either culture. It was like more of like this kind of, identifying with and embracing of both cultures and, and how that can actually enrich uh, a family unit overall. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. That's true. The visuals themselves overall, I thought there were many scenes in there that were like a visual spectacle. Like, like they were, whether it was like different types of special effects or like if they had even some of the, the, production designs of the sets and and the colors and everything I just thought were just very rich and beautiful, that sort of thing. So, and I, and, and most importantly, I had a good time. I had a good time at the theater and it's well, good. Russ. That it, it's, it's a big deal to me because I was a bit on the fence in terms of how I thought I was going like, what, like what, what level of enjoyment was I going to receive on this? Because there were certain trailers I saw where I was like, Ooh, I think this looks really good. Mm. And then there were other trailers. I'm like, yeah, it looks okay, but I'm not sure if it's going to be as exciting as like some of the previous Marvel efforts. By the way, I saw the movie at the theater as well. I don't see very movie movies at the theater. 
I spent $5.50 on that movie ticket. Can you believe it? $5.30? $5.50. Oh, $5.50. How'd you swing that? Because I believe you went to the same theater as me and I paid about well, $8.50, yeah, Steve. Yeah, you might have seen it in the uh, large screen, Russ. I saw it on the smaller screen. For shame. There's only one way to see a movie like that, yeah, and that's on the well, big screen. I had to see it a little bit later in the day, and that was the only thing that was available. $5.50. Oh. Oh? You saw it on Tuesday? Uh, yes, I did. Tightwad Tuesday. <laughs> No, seriously, that's the thing. I like the theaters have like this tight wad Tuesday where like uh, Tuesdays they tend to have their, their cheapest prices for movie tickets. I guess matinee. Well, yeah, a matinee, but also like even like for like I went to the XD theater, which typically sure I did. think is like 15. Well, I was going to yeah, say it's between it's like 12, yeah, 12 or $13, something like that. But then when I went on Tuesday, it was like $8 and 50 cents. I'm mm. like, huh? yeah, I'll take that down. Tidy whitey Tuesday. Tidy whitey Tuesday. You see, Steve, uh, you just enriched what was already memorable. Good, good on you, Steve. Thank you. Good on you. Yeah. I have put down quite a few different notes on here that I thought would be fun for us to broach the topic of with regards to this movie, Steve. Okay. The first is... Shang and Katie's relationship. So mm. if you recall, we all know who Shang is. Katie is uh, played by Aquafina. No. I had no idea like what their relationship was. Like I didn't know if they were just really good friends or if they were dating. What did you think? Well, yeah, I mean, at first it's I it's definitely like a friendship kind of dealy do. Um friends like, with benefits. Well, I guess he's going over there to eat. Like dinner. I mean, they made that comment of like, yeah, the guy's always here eating our food. Maybe he can help out sort of thing. But at the same time, though, it could have been completely platonic. Oh, it, well, in the beginning, yes, Russ. Mm. Are we just going to jump right into spoilers? Or are we just yeah, gonna, yeah, go, go for it. Well, then. We've we, we, we given the spoiler alert. Okay. Well, um, I mean, they, they so they kind of give you a hint that something could be more like towards the end because typically platonic friendships you know the girl's not resting her head on uh another dude's shoulder they're not getting all kind of closey close well kind of chew buddy buddy you know they were kind of double dating a bit you know so, so yeah i remember it wasn't, this, yeah it wasn't like you know romance was fireworking on screen or anything like that but i mean they definitely gave you the hint that you know something could be more later the thing is though russ and i was gonna ask you about this right? oh I don't. I have never read the comic. I have not either. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but I was googling what what part she played in the comic. Oh, okay. And I didn't really see anything that 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 spawned up from the search saying, okay, you know, oh yeah, yeah, she was, she was from issue uh, seventy two. You know, here you go, uh, and it showed me anything. And so I was like, what in the world? So what What part, what, did she just get thrown in there? And then I read an article. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was under Screen uh, Screen Rant is yeah, where, yep, who yep. wrote it. And they were saying that they basically created her character. Like, she's not in the comic, but they created a part for her to play in the movie. Okay. And I was like, well, I don't know. But, I mean, 
she did play a part like the kind of the comic relief. You yeah. Know? Uh, you had, she had the, you know, someone to, to bounce off of male, female. And she had that like plucky character. Yes. But my, I don't want to say beef. My kind of like meh. chicken pork. Your pork with the movie? Yes. Is that at the end when, um, what's his face, uh, brings up the portal and, and brings in, uh, are you talking about Wong? Huh? Wong? Wong. Wong. At the end? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then he brings in Katie and Shang-Chi. Right. And then, so Bruce Banner's there and then Captain Marvel is there and they're they're talking about the rings and stuff. (laughs) I like how we're going from like the beginning of the movie. (laughs) We're just like (laughs) shoving it right to the very end. (laughs) Past the ending and into the uh, the Easter egg. So, <laughs> speed of light. <laughs> Anyhow, so <laughs> the thing is, is like, so they they basically welcome them both into like the the Avengers right. group. And so my thing is like, okay, you created this character. Out of, you know, she's fictitious out of the fictional story. And then she does one cool thing, which is like, you know, shoots the dragon in the throat as like this lucky shot. It's like, yeah, you're an Avenger. Yeah, I had the same kind of response to that. Um, and that's that's a bit off of what the question initially was. But yeah, I, I had the same kind of thought where like clearly someone like Shang-Chi could be useful as an Avenger sure. within the, the kind of the roster of different heroes that can be called upon at any given time. But yeah, it was interesting how he did bring um, Katie into... The, the, the same portal, you know, to yeah. me, I was thinking, okay, well, it, maybe there's, there's something else. And, and, and again, that's I don't read the comics. So I didn't know if yeah. Katie was a different type of hero that was like, just had, had not been, I don't know, the switch hasn't been flipped yet or something like that in terms of like what her capabilities are, or if she's just a confidant of Shang-Chi, I, I have no idea, but Anyways, Steve. but so were you, were you cool with them creating a character that wasn't in the uh, original like MCU? Well, if I had a preference, I would prefer to have stuck with characters that were from the comic book because I'm, I'm more of a purist in that sense with any given comic mm. book story. Like right. I, I love how the very fact that these different types of comic books stand the test of time and become classics due to the fact that there has been so much thoughtfulness and time put into the story as well as the character development. So then if, for instance, like if Hollywood decides, oh, we need to manifest a character just because I tend to get critical of that just because it's like, why would like, like in terms of the comic book, like the comic book has been around for such a long time and therefore why would we need something like that? When I think of Katie though, and again, you and I don't have a hundred percent knowledge when it comes to whether or not Katie exists in the comic book or not. But I will say in terms of the film, I really enjoyed Aquafina's performance. I thought she did um, a really nice job. And I, um, I liked the, the chemistry between her and Shang, AKA Sean. I love that. That was a fun little <laughs> A little joke they had going on in there. But that, I think that's why I'm so confused, why I figured I would ask you for your opinion is throughout the entire movie, it's like, are they dating? Are they not dating? Are they just really good, t- 
tight buddies? Are they not? Is there some kind of romantic interest? Is there, I don't know. Like, like I couldn't really get a beat on that. So anyway, we don't have to, to no, spend no, more yeah. time on that. I got plenty of other things on here. I figured I'd just kick <laughs> you know, things off with this. One little, little tidbit, little tiddly do mm. on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you look up the uh, characters under the actor's name uh, and the character he plays, it's not Shang-Chi. It is. Sean. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's very true. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So let's pivot from that over to Shang and his sister Xiling. Yeah. So I found their relationship to be actually pretty interesting. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean we we saw her in the beginning, and then we don't see her until much later. We actually don't see her a lot on screen. I mean, she's just kind of this, you know badass character but she comes in like like more of like the the second half of the film as opposed to the first half yeah and then of course we see her towards the end kind of having these different motives perhaps <laughs> we don't know what's going on but i keep um, trying to reel us back toward the <laughs> beginning of the movie and steve just jettisons us back to the end again he's like, oh, it's good. That's what talking about. um <laughs> But I, I mean, she, I was kind of hoping she'd be a little bit better. Like they introduced her for a reason and they kept on bringing her back on screen, but she didn't, I, I feel like they didn't do her enough justice. Like if she's going to come back, you know, have her on screen more, you know? Well, she was a supporting character in this. I have a feeling that as the different phases of the MCU roll out, like she will most likely have more and more of a prominent role. Hmm. But this one was very evidently focused on Sean. Shawnee. Well, when it comes to, to the brother-sister dynamic, um, I want to talk about how each one was affected differently by their father. So we see how their father is this, this person who is very old. He's been around for at least a thousand years, if not longer. Um, he's hell bent on power, that sort of thing. But then when he becomes kind of more of a family man, <laughs> he um, temporarily puts more of that worldly power ambition aside. And what's interesting is that when his wife dies, that then he uh, assumes that that old former self. Right. And so what's interesting was that like he, he wanted to teach his son almost like, like 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 kind of grooming him to be the next kind of ring bearer <laughs> if you will but his daughter was different in a sense like like she, like she was not allowed to be able to train with him and the son didn't even want to to necessarily be involved with this intense physical training and martial arts and that sort of thing but she felt it was necessary to be able to train herself and that sort of thing but like it's interesting to see some of the similarities, but also some of the differences between the two siblings. what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, towards the end, I mean, there are, well, <laughs> why do we constantly go back to the end? I mean, yes and no. I mean, you know, she definitely had a more jaded approach because she was like, you know, not part of the club, you know, girls not allowed kind of thing. And so, I don't know. I I, I kind of feel that their dynamic could have been explained a bit better. Um, I mean, we don't see anything in, of, of her in the beginning of the movie, and then we have to wait till kind of towards the se- end of the second ha- of the, the first s- half. First half. 
At the end of the second half, they even like say hello. We have uh, to wait until the very end. <laughs> it's like five minutes into the credits. Um, <laughs> Which and, again, like I, I actually thought that was fine because again, we we needed time as an audience to oh, get sure. to know. Uh, Shang as well as uh, Katie. Like if, if they were to throw everybody at us at once, sure. it would be harder for us to d- bond with the characters. Yeah. It was just kind of like uh, they were going a bit back and forth, kind of like I do. Uh, we, you know, <laughs> back in history, this is what happened. This is how they separated. And now we have to kind of pick up the pieces, you know, years upon years upon years later. Um, and I thought it was, it wasn't bad the way they did it. I kind of thought it could be explained a little bit better. Um, Maybe took taking a little more time, uh, perhaps. I just kind of feel like they rushed their dynamic a bit. Um, I think a little bit more in the past, like showing us like her maybe trying to contact him, write him letters, mm. write in a journal how she missed him, you know, or how maybe he taught her this, how he was uh, a mentor for her, how you know she, her relationship with her dad wasn't that good, but she could trust her brother. I don't know, something like that, you, because they didn't really show them bonding that much uh, beyond her saying, Hey, don't go. And he's like, yeah, I got to go do this thing for dad. <laughs> Be right back. Sort of thing. And then he, you know, just, he just pieces out. Yeah. Yeah. They did have several instances of them as young kids where there, there clearly was a bond. Like they, they cared for each other. They were tight as siblings, that sort of thing. And then there was more of um, kind of like, like, like a, a forking out and t- like a divergence of their, their individual paths. And they both harbored, I would say ill will toward their father. Um, but more so they were trying to avoid their father really. And what was interesting was like, it, it seemed as though Shang was able to kind of internalize that um, and kind of almost get on with his life. Like he, he did what he thought he had to do, like change his name and like <laughs> move to San Francisco and be able to take on this other type of life that it, I mean, by all intents and purposes, it looked like, you know, he, he was just enjoying the simple life, right? Like, like definitely different than what his upbringing was like right. versus his sister, where his sister was able to escape her father. And then all of a sudden was like obsessed over creating this like kind of underground fight club, uh, fight club uh, like barracks almost <laughs> like, like she, she was interested in, in wanting to create her own dynasty, her own kind of um, encampment and being able to, to grow that herself. Uh, which I think if, if I were to understand it correctly, it was, you know, she was essentially jealous of, how her father and he had kind of like, like this exclusive boys club and she wanted to have that same kind of level of notoriety and power and authority, that sort of thing, which is, I think that's kind of the thing that I pinpointed the most with this is that if I were to look at like, okay, what are the differences between the, the the siblings? I did find it interesting how it was the son that decided to go for more of the, the simple life Whereas the daughter was much more like almost whether she was willing to recognize or admit it or not, she was more like her father. Yeah, kind of followed in his footsteps. I mean, she was Shang or Sean, Shang Sean, Sean Chi, just Shang, Steve, or Sean, <laughs> whatever you want. Not to be 
Conf- not to be confused with Shank, Russ. That has a totally different meaning. Anyway, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a good movie. It is, Russ. Who's in that movie? Ah, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's Tim Robbins and Tim Mor- Robbins. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, Morgan Freeman's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Sean was mm-hmm. the nice guy. I mean, he was very courteous. He's very friendly. He's very polite. He's very civil. Kind of gets along with everybody. Yeah. Um, not wanting to fight. Not wanting to show the world he can kick a little butt when he has to. Um, and she, yeah, she was completely different. She was just like, okay. Daddy said I couldn't do it. I'm going to prove him wrong for the rest of my life and put it on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was certainly different. If we think about their father, so their, their father's full name was Zhu Winwu. And it was interesting because I picked up on the Winwu in the movie, but I didn't really hear his first name. And I'm it's not, not to say that it wasn't ever said. I just didn't hear it. But what's interesting to me is if I analyze the father, he wasn't totally evil. Like he definitely, I mean, he definitely was not a nice guy. He definitely like for most of his life was in fact very evil. He was just trying to conquer the entire world and do anything and everything that he could because he was chasing power basically. Yeah. He had a lust for power. And so, um, but I did think it was interesting how they intentionally made his character a bit more complicated in the sense that he really did care for his family. It's, it's just that he, he had like this, this kind of other side to him that he felt was like his purpose or something. Yeah. Well, I I think that was what happened in the beginning, but I think when his wife was basically murdered, um, that screwed him up. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I, he wasn't ever really the same sense because even though he would bring his kid uh, along and still treat him, um, uh, you know, like father, son and train him uh, how to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he got back to that lust for power. And then once uh, Sean left and, you know, the daughter left, then, I mean, there was that scene where he says, uh, and we, when he's trying to bring them home because he, he thinks the mother is, is captured and she's, you know, hidden away in this cave. And then once they see him without seeing him, you know, for like a decade, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I told my men they couldn't kill you, but they could try. It's like, good to see you too, dad. And that's where his priorities, (laughs) I think, were totally messed up, which was, you know, he was so, again, he had that lust for power. And also, I think he he really desired for his own kin, you know, his family to also be able to be as efficient as he is at basically dishing out the punishment. Like there's, there's kind of like this warped sense of being a proud father, like looking at your son, like I knew you could do it, boy. You know, meanwhile, the son's like, that is messed up. Well, I don't want to do that. (laughs) So, but you did mention about how he did kind of tame himself when he fell in love right. with his wife, his future wife, which again, it, it, in a way was sweet. It had very much like when he met her, I, two, two things came to my mind. One was I totally got crouching tiger, hidden dragon oh, vibes, course. which is like 
classic movie. But then the other thing was, I also kind of thought of the Incredibles, like when Mr. Incredible meets his future wife or like, I guess they already know each other, but they're on top of that, that rooftop. And, and I think they're dating or something. They're younger versions of themselves. Or they're engaged. Yeah. So those are two things that kind of came to mind when I was watching that. And, I don't know if any of you had that same kind of uh, thought process. There's a lot of Looney Tunes that goes on in this noggin, but um, it was interesting, though, to look at how he gave up his old life for her. And so I found myself as a a viewer um, almost kind of getting on board, like, okay, good, you know, like, like he's turning over a new leaf. Maybe like what we were seeing prior to this happening was more of, you know, someone who has flaws, like that was his vice or that was, you know, his wrongdoings. And now that, that he's matured and he's grown out of it, yada, yada, yada. Um, but then they, they end up showing how his wife was murdered and, you know, to, to any husband, if you come home to find your wife brutally, savagely murdered, that's going to, cause you to entertain some very dark thoughts and dark ideas and that sort of thing. So it's, it's interesting to me how they use that as a vehicle to be able to have him go back to his former self, his old self, embrace that almost like, like as a means to deal with the, the morning, you know, like, cause we, everyone has their, their different methods for dealing for coping, right. Or right. dealing with loss. And that just happened to be his. Right. Anything that about Steve? No, Ross, you kind of laid it out. Oh, good, Steve. Amen. I will say in terms of adding to what I've said, Steve. Oh, there's more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, w- I had also put out, but put down a note. Put down a note. A note put down. A note put down. A note down put. <laughs> it was interesting, too, how there was this... this um, very odd way that he treated his children. Like, like on the one hand, he cared for his kids. He loved his kids, but it was a very dysfunctional love. I feel like, what do you think? I didn't see that until later. Uh, but I, that wasn't the vibe that I got, um, throughout us seeing the family young and then, you know, growing older and older. I just saw that later on when, you know, after wife passes, basically. Well, like you see like um, flashbacks of when the brother and sister are kids yeah. and they've fallen asleep on mom and dad. And, and you can, obviously he cares for them. Yeah. Or like, you know, when you, when we finally see him face to face in person with Shang uh, at that, that, you know, at, at his sister's underground, even though it, technically it was not underground, it was above ground up in a huge skyscraper. But Again, he greets his son by, you know, base almost like doing an embracing and also putting his, his head against yeah. his, you know, it, it, it wasn't like, you know, drag him away and change, <laughs> you know, like, like it was, it was this very messed up, like you could tell that Sean had to really internalize a lot of how he truly feels and how he couldn't just express himself in terms of how he felt of his father. And so his father may not have known how his son truly felt about him, thus keeping the peace. Well, I think, um, his, Sean's sister, I can't remember their name. I can't rush. She kind of mentioned that to, uh, <laughs> Katie because I you mean, yeah. 
because she was like, oh, you know, how do I talk to him? And then Xiling was saying, oh, well, you know, because we're women, we basically just have to like, you know, smile and nod and kind of go, oh, but, you know, don't really bring up a whole lot of you know, different topics or question him, anything like that. Sure. So it was more like, you know, men to men still, even though they were older and mature, but um, they couldn't just talk about politics and religion, Russ. They uh, had to really watch their words. Yes. Let me ask you something. I love it when you ask me questions, Steve. <sighs> Harkening back to the uh, wifey, husbandy part. Which part? When they met in the dancing, waving maze of a forest. That Crouching would, that tiger, hidden you. dragon scene scene? Something like that, right? Now, they were, uh, they were fighting and dancing and romantically beating each other up. <laughs> and obviously... I love a good romantic <laughs> beat down. <gasps> I love you. <laughs> um, <laughs> judo chop! Ah, Some people it. prefer the old Cupid uh, arrow into the buttocks. Other people will just like to beat the living crap out of each other. But she obviously had a little bit of um, like abilities to her, right? Like she didn't have, <laughs> yeah. like you know, he had the rings that that made him basically immortal, but not immortal necessarily. But they made him really strong. He had a very very long life. He was like a thousand years old, and then he meets this woman, and she's like, "Bring it on, big guy." And then she was basically kicking his butt and she didn't really do anything except like she knew all of his moves, but she was making the wind dance and doing all this kind of like Dragon Ball Z stuff. Oh yeah, she nullified his ass. That's right. But I mean, like, you know, who was she and where'd she get that power? Well, I think that she was trained by the, the village of people. And I think... Oh, oh. The other thing too is... Okay, oh. do you remember if they made any mention of the folks who were the guardians in that village, the Talo or something like I can't remember what it's called, but like, Tau. were they also imbued with long life like him? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't remember either. What I do know is that, I mean, they, they all in that village were very ardently about training, you know. Yes, very samurai-esque. Samurai's wrong. That's They're not samurai, Steve. No, not at all. But the samurai did train a lot. It's just trying to make a connection there. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Let's talk about some memorable moments, mm. Steve. I have down a list on here. First of all, the fight on the bus. I felt like the fight on the bus was Ooh, yes. really, really satisfying. Did you like it? I did like it, Russ. Uh, very Jackie Chan-y. Uh, matter of fact, I think it was one of Jackie Chan's fight coordinators who they uh, they mentioned uh, towards the end of the movie. Like, oh, this really? is the memory of, yeah. I'm pretty sure, Russ. Oh. oh I'm, pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that, Russ. I think I missed that. Um, but yeah, he was taking off his jacket and then, you know, like just, you know, <laughs> blocking all his punches and stuff and like, uh, you know, kind of matrixy at the same time. He was ducking on these sword blades. And uh, I was impressed by the choreography considering how tight the space was. Yeah, it was very tight, right? And I do, you know, I, I can appreciate what you're talking about with regards to Jackie Chan references. Mm. Not that this was heavily influenced or anything by Jackie Chan, but I do recall there was a film where he didn't he. Fight in a, a bus? A dark night? 
I'm going to have to look at uh, I'm sure he the did. Jackie Chan library and see, because I, I yeah. totally can recall him fighting in some sort of, I mean, let's be real. Like there were many movies that had him fighting in very tight enclosed spaces. This is true. We'll yes. to see. Getting back to the movie though, Steve. Right. So the bus fight scene to me was very satisfying. I was very curious to see how that was going to play out because they show it quite a bit in the trailers. And so I was thinking, okay, I've been kind of desensitized to this because I've seen this. However, watching it, I mean, I, I was like, yeah, this is this is good. I'm, I'm digging the whole thing. And I loved how they... Like, like, again, it's like a poem where, like, they have certain things that are revisited. And I love how they took the story uh, plot point of how both Sean and Katie were, like, these um, hotel valet drivers right. who have a lot of experience driving um, just a variety of different types of vehicles, that sort of thing. BMWs. Yes. And <laughs> so then when it comes time for, for Katie to have to try and drive the bus, it's not like you have some random person who magically knows how to drive a bus. Like right. I, I bought into that. I was like, okay, cool. Like th this is, this is a, a real exhilarating type of scenario where she's driving it. She's a capable driver, even though the brakes are out on the bus. So it presents a, a unique challenge for her while that's going on. Yeah. Then we have the, um, the battle that's just constantly going on throughout the entire bus. By the way, Russ, Safety tip. In case you're ever on a bus, the brakes go out, and you're driving the bus. That was the tire screeching as you're making hard turns. You can. <laughs> what you can do to slow the bus down, just pop it in the low gear. Let's pop it in the low gear, Russ. Won't that, the, like, grind the, the gears? The engine will slow itself down. No, it's not going to bring it to a stop. Oh. But, I mean, you're not going to keep on accelerating nearly as fast as you're going down those steep hills in San Francisco. That's a good tip, Steve. Thank you. <sighs> Moving right along. The next item I have on my list is the fight on the bamboo scaffolding outside of the sisters. That was very rush hour headquarters. I, I thought it was going to be, I thought the bamboo was going to be um, like kind of bending and bending and bending how it does in rush hour. Yeah. And then they just kind of fall like they fall on the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, oh, this is not, not too bad. Okay. Cool. I'll do it again. It's yeah. exhilarating. But I think that was a kind of a, one of those parts where the sister could have shown a bit because she, she, they brought her in at the last minute and like, you know, he's doing all he can on this big skyscraper of scaffolding and bamboo. Mm. And then they kind of bring her out at the last little bit. I'm like, what? She was supposed to be awesome. And she is awesome. But like, show us. Well, if you recall, so we were just introduced to her in the previous scene <gasps> and she's a bit peeved at her brother. You know, he did. You know, we, we discovered that that he ditched her. And even when they were fighting uh, in her little uh, octagon, uh -huh. that she, she she was conflicted with fighting him, but then she recalled certain memories that really triggered her. And yeah, then, but like you know, it's a sibling dynamic, bruh. It's sibling dynamic, and so then you know, basically, she was being an immature sibling, and she yeah. ditches her brother, you know, to, to teach him a lesson, kind of thing. Yeah. And so then he felt desperate, but then she's not going <laughs> to ditch him entirely, so she comes back to save him. You might die, but that'll teach you. Yeah. <laughs> they are a family of extremes. Yeah. Let me tell you. That's what you're going to get in the Marvel MCU. Right? 
Well, I'm just talking about the family of G. Oh, Jesus. What do you think of the uh, abomination uh, fighting? Um, did you forget his name again? Huang. It's Wong, Steve. Wong! It's a very easy, simple name to remember. W-O-N-G, Wong. And not to mention the fact that he is uh, actually probably one of my favorite characters in the MCU. He's oh, grown on me quite a bit. I watched, I will have you know, oh, I watched f- Doctor Strange yet again. Oh, yeah. Just this past week. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, no, he's he, he is one of my favorite supporting characters in the MCU, Steve. Mm. I'm glad that they are continuing to have him come into these different films and stuff. Really good. Where do you think this movie takes place on the old timeline, Ross? Do you think this movie happened before this uh, next Spider-Man movie? Or do you think Spider-Man happens before this one? Uh, what? No, hold on a second. We're, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, we're still talking about oh, we are the bamboo we're, fight scene. Oh, okay. Friggin' A. So, okay. I will have you know, Steve. Yeah. I got a little bit of the old uh, sweaty palms oh, during that fight sequence. Boy. That was a lot of fun to watch, yeah. I must say. Again, the sheer acrobatics and athleticism on display. Like, granted, I understand I'm watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the choreography on that. I mean, you're looking at what, like, where they're stepping. Like, they have these, like, little dinky, like, I don't know, four by four boards that are, or four by two. I don't know what they are. Four by four. Yeah, sure. Russ. Probably, I, probably, yeah. But in terms of landing their different moves and that sort of thing, I, I was thoroughly entertained. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool. Russ. It was really cool. I really was um, captured, Steve. Oh. By that one guy who was kind of like Winwoo's number two. Do you know what I'm talking about? The guy with a sword arm? No. That would be his number three. Oh, no. I know who you're talking about. The guy with the face paint on or the the mask. mask. Yeah, that guy was cool. He he looked really, really cool. And also, I loved the, the commanding presence that he had. Didn't they kill him off at the end? I was like, what are you doing? Why do we keep going back to the end? Well, I'm just saying, Russ. Um, You know, (laughs) (laughs) time-wise. We're totally going to Christopher Nolan this review. Where we're going to end up meeting in the middle. You know, we keep bouncing (laughs) back and forth from beginning to end, beginning, but we're getting closer and closer to the end, and then we're done. (laughs) (laughs) But did you like him, though? I did. Oh, I like him as in, like, he looked cool. He didn't say a word. He didn't have to though. Like, like I think that's one of the cool things about having a character like that is like he was kind of like the Darth Maul of Shang Chi. That's a good way to put it. I was going to say, let his fist do the talking. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh, yeah, you want some of this? I don't know why, but suddenly I'm just not as on the edge of my seat when he did that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Yes. Oh, we're moving on? We are, unless you have anything else. Oh, yeah, no, great, yeah. Okay, so the scene with Katie's family, you know, it's toward, once again, the beginning of the movie. I don't know what that is. I loved how Sean and Katie stopped by. They wanted to get a bite to eat before they had to go out and uh, go to work, that sort of thing. I think Katie lived there, but didn't stop by, but... Well, no, like like they stopped by in order to get food before going off to work. You you could still live somewhere and stop by there. Anywho, um, I really did. Hold on. Yeah, that would be the old 
burp right there. <laughs> um, I thought that that was probably one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie. And I alluded what? to this earlier because I bought into the family dynamic. I loved seeing Katie's mom. I love seeing Katie's grandmother. And, um, and I love seeing this slice of life. That was, you know, it, you had this family that, um, came from, from China and then they, they had moved over to America and, you know, that they had moments where they were speaking, um, in Chinese. I don't know if it was Mandarin or Cantonese. I'm not familiar with, with the, the differences between the two, but I really appreciated how I, as someone who doesn't know how to speak Chinese, um, I love being able to see and experience that slice of life where like, you know, regardless of where you come from, the family dynamics are universal. Sure. And I love the sweet grandmother. Like I totally wanted to give that grandmother a hug, even though I didn't know who she was. She was super sweet. And I love the mom, how the mom just wanted only the best for her daughter. And so she had a bit of that overbearingness, but at the same time you could respect where she was coming from, that sort of thing. And I like too how Katie, um, you know, that there wasn't like she, she had her brother there as well. And there was the kind of like that, that kind of jousting banter going sure. back and forth, that sort of thing. But I, I found that I liked a lot about how even during the dialogue, like one of my favorite parts was when um, they were talking about like, like mom was talking about how like, like she didn't move from where she came from to America to watch like her kids, like throw away their futures or sure. whatever. And, and there was kind of like the, this moment where they talk about where they come from and who they are and that sort of thing. And Katie actually um, replies by saying, well, we're also American. Right. And I just, I personally really loved that. I loved how, again, it wasn't anything that was heavy handed. It wasn't patronizing or anything like that. It was literally just like, yeah, like, like that's one of the, the really cool things about America is that we have people from all sorts of different countries from all different walks of life. It, it's, it's like this really neat cosmopolitan place where you have the ability and the freedom to be able to have, um, your, your traditions, your culture, everything else, be able to, to, um, exist and thrive. And at the same time, embrace this idea of being an American. And I think that that for me personally, I was like, man, that's, that's something I don't see in movies very often. Yeah. I, I think I probably spit out my imaginary soda at that imaginary point because uh, I, I couldn't believe I was hearing it. I was like, oh, I don't have anything in my hand. Um, so <laughs> like, yeah, I'm with you on there. I, I, I really liked hearing that. I'm like, oh, we're all so American. Like, well, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I mean, it's just a little bit of a little goodness there. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I guess maybe I'm just cynical, but like whenever something like that comes up, I'm almost kind of like, yeah. Waiting for like some sort of uh, negative or condescending comment with regards to more like America side of things. And so it was just nice how like, no, they were, they were proud to be Asian Americans. Right. Like I thought that that was, that was well handled. I thought another memorable scene was the bamboo made of water, the whole map. Right. What did you think of that? I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, I think if the movie was in 3D or if we get a 3D version on a 3D TV, I think that uh, that would look pretty darn amazing. Um, I don't know what was going to happen because the water you know, came out as soon as they put the, the jewels in the dragon's eyes. I'm like, wow, it's 
you know, super soaker time, I guess. And then everything just kind of, you know, <laughs> super soaker time. <laughs> and then everything, not sponsored by super soaker, by the way. Well, thank, not, that, thank you for clearing that up, Steve. But yeah, then the water kind of, you know, went still and then it kind of went. What are those things called where they have a bunch of like pins in them and you can put yeah, your. I know what you're talking yeah, about. I wouldn't even know what those things are I called. I forget what like, they're called, too. Yeah, that's what it kind of reminded me of. And then the, the, it showed the maze of where to go and how the trees are going to, you know, react and dance and stuff. Oh, that was pretty cool. I just want to see it in 3D. That's all. Yeah, I thought it was a really neat take on like kind of what the obligatory map scene mm-hmm. it you know consists of because usually like you'll see holographic images like if you think of Star Wars you know like like R two D two will like show up like here are the schematics for how we get into the Death Star you know it's a real like futuristic and sci fi and stuff like that but this was different in the sense that they were having more of a focus on uh, more of the ancient. Uh, kind of like sensibilities and cultures of um, Asia, essentially, and how, I, I don't know, like I really liked how they use water in particular because water is something that is referenced so often, when, it, especially when it comes to martial arts, like whether it's you know martial arts based in um, Japan or um, China, like there's there's always this reference when you talk about how like you know when you fight you should be like like water moving water. You're essentially starting to quote Bruce Lee. Yeah, he says, "Be like water. Mm-hmm. Water is hard, and water can crash, <laughs> and water can be soft." Is that a, like an actual water. quote? That you, is a quote. Is, are, are you paraphrasing or is that like I, word for word? Well, I mean, basically, if I if I messed it up, I, I, I would say I got it pretty darn close. But yeah, I, I have you can no YouTube. idea. It's, it's, I'm just asking. No, it, you, can, he said, you can YouTube it. It's all in black and white. Yeah, of course, yeah. it's you know old footage. But um, he basically says that. He says, be like water. Water yeah. is hard. Water can crash. He goes like that. <laughs> water can crash. Oh, okay, Bruce Lee's saying it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that could be like someone's face right there. And I, I really appreciate that. I, I like the idea of how they decided to go with water um, and even seeing how there was this magical, ethereal type of effect that took place where he put the two little um, medallions or whatever and they ended up being like the, the dragon's eyes and then yeah. the, all this water starts to come out. And then I loved how it came up and seeing this miniature bamboo forest appear. And I don't know, like, like it was such a new visual. It was. You're right. Yeah, that would have been the point to make it 3d. I just, I wanted to see it pop out. I'm 3D. going right back to it, Russ. I want it in 3d. <laughs> okay. We'll see. We'll see what we can do with that, Steve. Thanks. The final one that I have on my list is the final battle. Of course, oh, like, you. you know, the, the, the oh, whole situation at the end of the movie. Yes, Steve. Great. Yes. Cool. We have arrived. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's kind of a no brainer. Everyone was expecting there to be some sort of huge battle, but I loved what we got to see. I loved how the father was obsessing over how he, he truly believed his wife was calling to him. His wife was somehow obtainable and how um, you had this, this, this horrid, horrific demon that was essentially luring his father over to set set it free. And what was taking place during that entire fight sequence? I mean, I was I was digging it. I, I really liked um, again 
the the different types of cinematography, the the camera shots, the angles, the the choreography, um, and especially the creatures themselves. Like like that water dragon was really cool looking. It was, but it was like the adult mama version of the Raya dragon. I thought about that too. Yeah, and I thought so. The dragon looked cool, but it kind of was. It would have been cooler if we if I hadn't seen Raya. Because it, I feel like I, because I saw Raya, I already had like the image of the dragon. Right. And I know a lot of cultures have different versions of what they see a dragon as, yeah. but I but I feel like I wasn't as surprised. Like, oh, yep, that I've seen that dragon before. I'm just, this is just the bigger version. But yeah, that being true. said, it was gorgeous. I mean, I would I would like to see that fight sequence again, like in 4K or in like really oh. high definition. Because I mean, I the saw XD it in like- theater? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You saw it basically in the equivalent of like a person's media room, <laughs> <laughs> like a CRT TV from the eighties. Like, oh, that looks average. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the one scene where you have that, that demon flying bat creature thing, um, it gets a hold of the dragon and yeah. it starts trying to suck the soul out of the dragon. That was creepy to me. Yeah, I didn't like that. I'm like, what? that's kind of Mortal Kombat-y. It was, yeah. Like, there was something very primal and yeah. very, like, it, it really made me uncomfortable. It was, like, I had no idea I was going to be affected by right. seeing that on display. But there was something about it that, like, something, like, I don't know if my soul was reacting to it or, like, <laughs> there was something primal about it. But, like... I was just like, it was weird because like when I saw the other souls of different people, like, get yeah, sucked yeah, okay. you know, like, like, like when the, when, when, when Shane's, or Sh no, Shane, Sean's <laughs> father, that was, that was his middle name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when his dad gets his soul sucked out of him, it was like, oh man, okay, this is how he goes out. But right. again, I didn't necessarily have a whole lot of sympathy for him because he kind of brought it upon himself. Right. And also he was kind of a terrible human being. But there was still some level of pity there. And it was like, oh man, that that's awful because um, Sean just lost, you know, he just watched his father get killed in front of his eyes. However, there, it was different between that versus the dragon. And I think it was because the approach they had with the, the scene with the father was that they were focusing more on how um, the father had this, this moment of redemption where yeah. he freely gave the rings over. He, he essentially almost bequeathed his yeah. rings over to his son before Transfer he died power kind of thing, yeah. versus the other one where like, I mean, there's this horrible demons like, <laughs> and he has like all these like tentacles and stuff on there. And you're just like tentacles. Are yeah, this is, this is, this is kind of like, I wonder what that feels like to have your soul sucked out. I wonder if it glows <gasps> as it's coming out. You know, it kind of reminds me a bit of those nature shows where like, They'll be like <laughs> in like deep sea territory or who knows what, like, like basically showing like certain types of animals that you're not used to seeing. And like, there will be some kind of like hapless, unsuspecting creature thing. Yeah. And even that thing looks kind of weird looking inside, <laughs> but it's just minding its own business. And then out of nowhere, you see like this other thing just going to just, <laughs> you know, you're, and you're sitting there on the couch. You're like, that is terrible. Man. <laughs> that poor fish. It was alive for two hours. Yeah. This <laughs> is terrible. It was just taking a stroll. Are there any scenes that you found to be quite memorable that I missed? 
No, Ross, I think you covered pretty much every memorable moment in the entire movie. Every moment in between those, Ross. Your voice sounds really funny right now. <laughs> every moment in between those moments, Ross. It's just talking. That's all that's really happening, just talking and traveling and, you know, just nothing much really going on. So, I mean, that's pretty much the exciting parts of the movie. Ah, yes. I hear you. One more thing I have on my list is Trevor. Trevor, played by Ben Kingsley. This guy's back. What's crazy is that we, last time we saw him, I believe, was Iron Man 3. Because he played the, uh, the Mandarin. I thought that was Iron Man 2. No, Iron Man, no. No, Iron yeah, Man, yeah, 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 no, I, I got on my Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead, brother. Uh, when it comes to the, this particular character, though, um, it does make sense because I believe it was um, Winwu who was the actual Mandarin. It was, you know, in terms of like, like right, because we discover that he is, well, Ben, ben Kingsley's Trevor character he, he's an actor. He's a fraud. He's, yeah, he's not the actual right, Mandarin. Right. I think it was Shane. I said Shane again. It's, it's like a combination of Sean and Shang. Sean. Shane. Sean. I'm Shang. Shang. Shang is going to be what I'm going to say from now on. Anyway, I believe his father was the actual Mandarin. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you I have understand. no idea, do you? That's what I understood. I, he was like basically saying like, yo, daddy was the actual bad guy, and I wanted to get paid. Mm. And so I was the actor in front of the camera doing all this stuff, and that's kind of how I spared my own life, in of sorts. What did you think of him being the comic relief? I don't know, I, was, I didn't think he was very funny, honestly. I, th- I thought he was okay, but yeah, he wasn't like particularly a standout. Yeah. Mm. You know, Russ, I, I think that uh, they... Part of the one of the reasons they made this movie was to kind of redeem themselves from the Iron Fist series that was on Netflix. I never saw that. I know, <laughs> but I did, and um, it's not horrible, but it could definitely use a bit of work. And that that actor probably won't be coming back. I don't think probably gonna be doing some other movies. Well, you don't think that they made this movie solely to... No, not solely, but I mean, you watch that and you watch this and there's definitely some... Parallels? Yeah. Well, Steve, I say we go into movie trivia courtesy of IMDb. Let's do it. All righty. This is legendary Hong Kong film actor Tony Chuyana's first role in an American film. And his first English-speaking role, even though he has always spoken it fluently. Tony uh, Chuai Leung knew nothing about the Mandarin and did not try to research the character. When Marvel Studios contacted him, they gave him full authority to make his own history of the character. He did not mind playing a villainous role, which, by the way, was his first ever, but he sought to give the character depth and history. Quote, I tried to explore the reasons that led him to become who he is. He's a man with history who craves to be loved. He is a sociopath, a narcissist, and a bigot, but he is also human and has a family. End quote. I thought that was kind of interesting. A little insightful. Hmm. Simu Liu, uh, 
when cast as Shang-Chi, was knowledgeable in Taekwondo, gymnastics, mm-hmm. and Wing Chun. For his role as the master of Kung Fu, Lu trained in Tai Chi, Wushu, Muay Thai, Pinkak, Salat, Krav Maga, Jiu-Jitsu, boxing, and street fighting. That's insane. That's a lot to know. He was in the Matrix. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know Kung Fu. Anyway, Steve, that was a good reference. Mm. By the way. Oh. This is a total side note. Did you uh, did you notice that the I... Matrix Resurrection trailer came out today? So, yes, I did. I saw something last night, and I th- and it said like the Matrix Resurrection teaser trailer, and I went ooh, and I clicked on it, and it had like two million views, but it was totally fan made. I was like, man, and I was actually going to send it to you, like. Ooh, <laughs> and then like today you post it. I'm like, man, I was a day early. Like someone yeah. just like put this thing together. They must've known something a day early. Yeah. I mean, literally what it was just posted. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. The Mandarin in the comics wears 10 alien rings on ah, his fingers. Heard about this. Yes. The Mandarin's rings in this film were revised to be uh hungar iron rings worn on his forearms. Yeah. Which, of course, as we all know, there are five on each arm. Ah, that was a good choice. These rings are used in martial arts training to strengthen the arms and fists. Right. Interesting. That's cool. That's, well, I think that was a good idea. Practicality there. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. The, and continuing on from that, this change was made to incorporate Chinese culture. And because cosmic jewelry had already been done with Thanos, yeah. the Titan in the form of the Infinity Stones and Infinity Gauntlet. Right. And finally, uh, during the bus fight, a woman has her laptop split in half. She actually would have been able to recover her work because she was using an HP Folio 9470M, which has a hard drive on the side. That's what I was thinking. Uh, I bet you were, Uh huh, Mr. Techie. But... The thing is, Russ, you know, if you're in that situation and your laptop gets cut in half, you know that's your first thought. Not like, oh, thank goodness they didn't cut it on the right side. I can still get everything. I think she was just happy that she was alive after all that. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Steve, can you please share with us your concluding thoughts and rating of the film? Well, Russ... So I enjoyed myself. I, I kind of thought the the movie had a little slow part, maybe in the the, the third... The, the third part, I would say. The third act? Third act. I would say it was a bit slow. I was kind of starting to kind of doze off a little bit. I did enjoy the film. It's, it's all martial arts, and I do love me some some martial arts. Oh, yeah. And I thought uh, pretty much the whole cast did a great job. There were some people in there that we, did, we didn't get to, like uh, you know Shang-Chi's aunt and whatnot. I can't remember her name, but I know I've seen her before. She did a great job. I mean, everybody did a good job. Oh, yes. You are thinking of... Am I? Michelle Yeoh, uh, who, uh, by the way, she was she was also in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's what I thought. And on top of that, she... I believe she was in a Bond movie. I think she was a Bond girl. <sighs> I want to say she was in Tomorrow Never Dies. Hmm. I believe. I'll have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure she was in James Bond with Pierce Brosnan. Why don't you double check that, Brosnan? I'll, I'll check it after we record, But if memory serves, I believe that's where I've seen her before. But yes, you know, um, 
she was in fact uh, a nice addition to the cast, don't you think? I do. Yes, I do. Um, but moving on, I so I really enjoy the story. Uh, I think they left out quite a few things that it would have given it a few more points uh, for me. Maybe. Uh, you know, telling us where the rings came from. I mean, maybe that's the plan is to have a sequel and let us know. But I mean, you know, is he going to be immortal with it without the rings on versus with the rings on? Or, you know, how much power does he have? Where did his mother get her power and how did he learn it so quick? You know, just like in a day or an hour, <laughs> whatever it was like before. Um, and so, you know, leaving that out. Um, and other things like, you know, the, the dragon, of course, I wasn't very surprised, but I, I do want to give it another go round um, with higher definition, maybe, you know, a bit better sound, because uh, I think there was a lot there that I could I could see uh, in the second go round. Yeah. Um, and I am curious to where that's going to go. I mean, I do want to see a sequel. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a four for me, but I, I, I'm going to say it's a three and a half. Okay. Um, but I did enjoy the movie and I do recommend people go see it and I do appreciate the direction they're going, at least with, with phase four to try this something new. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. For me, um, this was very much, um, a fresh experience in terms of the MCU. I, I was very happy with how they had this predominantly um, Asian cast and Asian culture and going into an exploration of how this fits within the MCU. And I feel like like now was the, the perfect time to do so because as Marvel continues on with their different phases, we're, we're, we're entering into this kind of almost uncharted territory because um, more, more often than not, like most of what had been built up over the last like 10 plus years, we are starting to retire out or the characters have perished or whatever else. And, and really like, like there is kind of a, a changing of the guard that's going on. And so I feel like, like this is actually like a really cool opportunity to then usher in some of these new types of characters. And so I was very pleased uh, with the cast with Shang uh, Chi. I, I loved all the different characters that were cast. I didn't feel like anybody did not belong. Um, I loved being plunged into more of that rich Chinese like culture and background. And like, again, seeing the architecture, seeing the colors, seeing the, 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 um, the patterns in, in the clothing and like just those little subtle details that show that, that there is thoughtfulness that's going into, um, you know, a, a culture in, in the world, which I mean, let's be real, like any kind of culture, that that is being on display, I would hope that there would be that same level of TLC that's been given to it. So I really like that. And I also enjoyed too how there are these different dynamics between the different characters. Like for instance, you had um, Sean with Katie. Again, I have no idea like, like what the uh, terms of their friendship slash relationship are, but that's okay. That's, that's actually kind of a fun thing. I also like too how we don't know, like, like to your point, we don't necessarily know um, how Sean was able to learn his mother's side as quickly as he, as he did. And also have um, a, kind of a mastery in a moment of strife. But again, that's okay too, because that's part of the magic of, of movies is that like, I don't want to be told or explained in explicit detail 
every little thing that happens. Like I like to be able to kind of ponder it and wonder it myself. And, and there will be subsequent sequels, like you said, and there will be other movies where like you'll see him in addition to some of the other Avengers, like when we were watching the, some of the Easter egg stuff at the end, we saw how Captain Marvel was there. And so was Bruce Banner. And if you, did you notice by the way, Bruce Banner was back to Mark Ruffalo. He was right. not like just, you know, half and half like he was in Avengers Endgame. Remember right. how like he claimed how like, Oh, we came to this understanding and now we coexist. And it's like, no, he wasn't like that. Right. And Captain Marvel was back to her longer hair again, which I liked. I, it was nice to see that. I'm, a, I'm I think I'm more of a fan of like the longer hair on her. That's cause you're a man, Russ. Well, there are women out there like Halle Berry can rock oh, a short yeah, haircut. Yeah, you can, Halle Berry. Well, that's Halle Berry. Gosh, there is no equal. <clears throat> None. So anyway, I, I found myself thoroughly entertained. I was glad that at, by the time the movie ended, I was smiling. I was smiling in, in the theater and um, I, I'm very much looking forward to being able to check this out, be able to add it to my library, that sort of thing. Yeah, I did find that, you know, in terms of the major plot points, there wasn't anything that necessarily broke new ground. I did think it was refreshing to like be introduced to this concept of the 10 rings and even like with the brother sister dynamics where like you have once again, that, that kind of duality of, of these siblings and then they fork and diverge into these different paths. And we see how the sister has now taken over right. her father's um, domain or his headquarters compound. And, and we have no idea. Like clearly she is enjoying that position of power, right? Like she's enjoying being the boss. But at the same time, we also saw how she was starting to kind of decorate up the headquarters. Like there were like lots of paintings and stuff. It wasn't just like, you know, gray concrete everywhere. <laughs> Death and volcanoes in the background. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she <laughs> she was sprucing up the place. So I don't know what her place in, like within the MCU is going to be. My hope is, is that this isn't the last time we see her, that we will see more of her and, and more stuff will, will happen as a result. So... I'm going to go with you. I, I think that I give Shang-Chi 3.5 stars. I was going back and forth between four stars or 3.5. And, and I feel like I'm just edging more toward three and a half. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. I recommend anybody um, who's on the fence to go check it out. You will have a fun time. So that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, make sure you click on that subscribe button and poke that notification bell. That way you won't miss a single episode that drops once a week, every week. And while you're at it, follow us on various social media platforms. Just do a search for at Joygasm TV. Last but not least, do a search on Twitch. Just type in Joygasm TV to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will look forward to seeing you again once more next week when we cover the Sony game announcements. It'll be exciting. We'll see you then. See ya. See ya.